Welcome to the Millennial Girl Way, the show that highlights millennial women doing the damn thing by turning their dreams into reality. I'm your co-host, Bray Creech. And I'm your co-host, Shay Harkness. And welcome, ladies, to our special home buying series. Yay. <laughs> um, so if you tune into our last episode of the year, we let you guys in on a little secret that this 2020 for us was really monumental because we both purchased our very own and very first homes. Um, it has been, I don't even know what word, I can't even use a single word to describe the experience. Um, roller coaster is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely a roller coaster of emotions and just you know, a very eye-opening experience, you know, for two young Black women who, um, you know, did this process really on our own. Um, You know, we're single women. So it was a really big decision for us and it was a really big accomplishment for us. And in celebration of that, um, we we wanted to share that experience with you ladies. Um, You know, we really wanted to not only detail what it was like for us to go through that process, but things that we wish we would have known, you know, <laughs> Shay and I, honey, we gonna it's tell you. Yes. But we went through a lot of things that I feel like there's a lot of things that we went through that we probably didn't need to go through. Um, and a lot of it was just not knowing, um, you know, the little tidbits of the process and how to really navigate the process. Um, both of us kind of took this on in a very swift, like motion. Um, you know, it was like, 2020s here. This is a goal that we wanted to do. Um, and certain circumstances lined up in a way that, you know, this was the year, this was the time. So it's just crazy that with everything going on, you know, we were able to get it done, but definitely a lot of things that we, um, went through and (laughs) things that we learned. Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, that I think that if you ladies have these gems, when you first start out, you know, it's only going to make it that much easier. So, you know, today we're just going to, like I said, reflect on the process and, and really go through um, our personal experiences and, and kind of help you guys set yourselves up for if you're thinking about purchasing a home. If you haven't even thought about it, girl, get your notebook out, get ready because we're about to change your mind. OK. And if you, you know, have been thinking about it and, you know, you started saving, um, there's a lot of things that you want to know. Um, so you're definitely going to get that in this episode. And for all of our homeowners currently, you know, tune in and, you know, share your experiences with us and, you know, our community. And let's continue to, you know, bridge the gap of income inequality. Mm-hmm. Let's continue to add assets to our portfolios. Mm-hmm. And overall, you know, I think that let's just be boss women with our own yes. forces, you know, because that's very important in yes. this day and age. Yes. Uh, we talk about leveling up a lot on this show and a big p- part of that is really investing in yourself and investing in your future um, and purchasing a house, you know, in a home for yourself, something, you know, that is um, yours, ultimate level up move. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, just if you want to start it off, um, yeah. you know, what made you, first of all, want to buy a house? And then mm-hmm. how did you choose where you wanted to live? You know, what type of home you wanted to buy? 
what was your your overall goal for buying a home just all of that in Mm -hmm. one fell swoop like what (laughs) was your whole goal with home buying right the what the where the why Mm -hmm. yeah um so for me I I knew that I wanted to be a homeowner from you know when I first graduated and I got my student loans and I had a conversation with my mom and I was like, whoa, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I had never paid attention to my loans during college, right? It wasn't until I graduated. My mom was like, listen, and after six months, you know, these are going to be real. And I was like, okay, so I have to figure out what I want to do. Um, and for those of you guys who are not familiar, I do live in New York. Um, so the cost of living is very expensive, but we are a mostly rent population, populated city. That means that more people rent than they do own their homes. Um, And I just never liked the idea of renting. The concept itself just was not, it didn't make sense to me. It never made sense. I'm like, so I'm going to pay X amount of money to someone else and I'll never see that money again and get nothing for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And being like, you know, accounting major and things like like, that just made sense to me or it didn't make sense to me. And I knew that wasn't going to be my path. So I actually decided that I was going to purchase my first home and most likely never rent, um, when I first graduated. And from there, you know, I started working on my loans. I knew I needed to pay that off. And that's really where my whole savings journey began um, to ultimately bring me here, what, like four and a half, five years later. Yeah, Um, we're getting old. (laughs) Girl, (laughs) whenever I think about college, it always ages me because I'm like, dang, that really was like five years ago. Um, But yeah, and so... I always knew that I wanted to buy. And then, I mean, I think the whole why, um, as I got older, it became the, my vision for purchasing a home extended beyond just the monetary benefit, right. Mm -hmm. Of it not making sense to pay someone to never have any ownership over it. But it, it got a lot deeper in the sense that, you know, just being a woman and, and wanting my stake in the world and wanting something that was mine became increasingly more important. You know, as you filter through boyfriends and you start transitioning through life, yep. a lot of your future becomes, it becomes clearer, honestly. And as I began to grow, I was like, mm, this is something that's not just important for me, but like mm-hmm. my legacy, you know, you get your first property and you've opened the door for so many more. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've, had like a mentor who has multiple properties and I've seen what she's been able to do with that and how she's been able to set up her life and I love it (laughs) um and it was something that really inspired me so um it was a decision that like you know over the years I feel like the my whys kept kind of changing and growing and um but always fueling me to ultimately like get to this goal yeah you know, why did you, um, what was your why? Yeah. So, you know what? I feel like my why changed over time too. Mm -hmm. Like I always knew that I wanted to do it before I was like 30, just because, you know, I was like, Oh, like before 30, like that's just (laughs) or whatever, Mm -hmm. especially in this day and age with, you know, millennials having so many, um, I think just things thrown at them, worldwide and you know economically you know here we are now again going through another pandemic and I just feel like millennials have had to deal with so much (laughs) that has set them back so a lot of people aren't able to do that so you know for me it was like oh like before 30 like oh that's like a cool goal and you know that's (laughs) one of the things that we're told we're supposed to aspire to so I was like oh okay cool like whatever 
Mm-hmm. Um, when I graduated from school, another <laughs> again, you know, the loans um hit me too, and it was just like, oh, okay, like this is real. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that kind of helped me start learning more about finances because I felt like you know in 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 school and even growing up you know just little tidbits that your parents teach you or little tidbits that you get from different mentors yes but you know you kind of have to set up a plan that you know works for you Mm -hmm. so coming out of school I actually did rent you know I moved to um, Baltimore and I was working there and I just really didn't like you know, spending that much money um, Mm -hmm. without seeing anything for it. You know, at at years in, I was just kind of like, wow, like a lot of my money just like went down the drain in rent. Mm -hmm. And I was barely able to see, you know, um, any benefit back. And so from there, I knew I was like, okay, well, um, I started looking into like the benefits of actual home ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I was able to fortunately be able to, to move in a situation where I didn't really have to pay rent. And so that was perfect. And I was able to save. And then again, it became about, Hey, like this can be a first step in you setting up your financial future outside of anyone else. Right. Um, you know, because I do think that it's important for, you know, women to have their own nest egg, if you will, Mm -hmm. outside of, you know, their major relationships, just because, you know, I think it gives you a certain sense of, you know, independence or whatever. And as I have filtered through my relationships, Mm -hmm. I think I've learned that, you know, independence is really important. You know, you never want to be completely at the whim of um anyone right I mean that that's that has not you know relationships job wise you know bosses whatever you just you want a little bit of security yourself so it became about that as well and then um you know just following different people who inspire me um you know in in the business field and um financial and investment field um a lot of people have done really cool things through real estate and really built up their portfolios. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wanted to follow that model. And I thought that, you know, just jumping in and learning the process was going to be the step for me to get there. So it just, it became kind of about that as yeah. time went on. <laughs> it's funny, every, what I realized, like, as we got closer to like 2020, um, just from like research and people have already done it, it was always this message of like, just get your first place, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, save your money, find what you like and invest in it, invest in yourself. Because the sooner that you do that, you allow yourself more time to, um, you know, then potentially get other properties and um, really expand your wealth portfolio in general. Um and I feel like that's easier said than done. Like it makes sense. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going to get my first place. And I, that's how I personally was treating it for, you know, a good year yeah. before I actually sat down and was like, no, this has to be an active goal. Um, and that's one thing that I think is really important to know for this entire process is like nothing about the home buying process is passive. Nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, you have to really want to get it done. You really want it. You, 
forget about, do you have enough money? Are you in the right space? Like, forget about all of that. Is this actually what you want to do? Because, you know, we're going to go over some of these things, but there's a lot of programs, a lot of resources that can assist you if you don't have the money. Um, there's tools that you can use to assist you if you don't have the know-how. Like, there's so many things that can help you get there, um, but you have to actually start because none of it is really relevant to you until you're ready to be in the weeds um, and start the process, you know? Yep. Um, so, you know, talking or, you know, starting to talk about the process, um, you know, the, the first thing really is like, once you decide, okay, I, I want to get home, where, <laughs> where do you want to get one and why, um, not, not why, where do you want to get a, where do you want to get your first home and why, what is the, the, the benefit of purchase because remember we're purchasing homes we're not renting renting you can right. leave when your lease is over um and of course you could sell a home but it's not as liquid as that so mm-hmm. um you know the first decision is how to choose the right area and where you want to buy your home um what were some of the things Shay that you took into consideration when you were looking to buy your home yeah so I knew that um I didn't want it to be my forever home. So that's number one, right? Mm-hmm. It's just my first place. I'm not married yet or anything. So mm-hmm. I knew that um, the first place would have to be in a really good area where there's a lot of opportunity. So um, I started looking in areas and, you know, for you guys' reference, I live in um, Maryland, um, in the DMV area. So about 15 minutes outside of DC, not not far at all. Um, so I started looking at, you know, land development opportunities and, um, community growth opportunities, places that had, um, a lot of access to, uh, transportation. So up here, that's, you know, uh, trains, the Metro buses, things like that, um, shops, businesses, and things where, and places where they were also planning to build a lot more shops businesses, you know, places where jobs would be coming in, things like that. Um, and, and land development, meaning in, in Maryland, there's a lot of like town centers, you know, shopping town centers and things like that. So I started looking in areas where, you know, counties were planning to do these huge multi-million, hundred million dollar, billion dollar, you know, building, mm-hmm. um, And I targeted those areas because I knew that, hey, you know, eventually I'm either going to have to sell this place or I'm going to have to rent it out. And so I want it to be beneficial (laughs) financially for me and strategic financially. So those were the areas that I was targeting. Um, I guess you could say up and coming areas, but not too bad. Like, you know, nowhere that I would be like uncomfortable living, Mm -hmm. you know, but um places where there are lots of opportunities in the next couple of years what about you right same thing same thing you know I think up and coming is a is a big um checkbox when you're looking for a home especially if even if it is your forever home you know because at some point you could change your mind and want to sell it's really all about the resale value you know you want you want your money to work for you later down the line right so Um, it was the same for me, you know, when I was teetering, I'm from New York, but I actually, um, bought my place in Jersey. So even having to make that distinction of, you know, 
which state do I want to be? And I don't know anything about Jersey. I've never done anything out there. I think I have like an aunt out there or something. Um, but you know, me trying to figure out cost wise, what makes the most sense. Um, and, and like you said, Shay, you know, looking 10, you know, it could be even be 20, 30 years from Mm -hmm. now, what is this area going to look like? What is, you know, my land going to look like? And is it going to be more profitable? You know, is it, is it, what is the value of my property? Which way is it going to go? You know, you don't want the value of your property to go down. Um, so yeah, I think for purchasing, like renting, you can choose whatever, but definitely for purchasing, you, you want up and coming, you know, you want a neighborhood that's going to be developed because that's going to bring people in resale value. But also, you know, I know for me, I was looking for a renter opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So knowing that it's not my first place, you know, I don't necessarily know whether, how long I will keep my home for, but I do know that I will not be here forever. Right. So I may still own this property, but maybe I'll rent it out. So for me, that was a big factor, like making sure it was in an area where people would want to rent from me. Um, if I chose to no longer live here. Yep, exactly. Um, and then I feel like everyone just has to choose the why for themselves, right? Exactly, so for us, yeah. it was like, oh, the why is that we know that it's not our forever home. Mm-hmm. So, hey, I'm going to make these strategic decisions. But, you know, if your why is that you are looking for your dream home, right. that you, you know, are going to be there forever, that this is your stable place where you're going to build a family, this and that. I feel like you would have a different set of, um, you know, parameters or, you know, identifiers that you're looking for in a house. Yeah. So, yeah. Even what you're, what you're willing to live in, right? Because right, you exactly. say like up and coming, <laughs> but, you know, we have a very um, clear idea as to, you know, how underdeveloped or developed we wanted our communities to be, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, I've talked to people who bought their first home in really underdeveloped communities and they're willing to wait to see it, you know, become something, mm-hmm. um, but they understand it won't be like that for another, you know, couple, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a very personal decision. Very yeah, personal. for sure. Um, and then along with trying to figure out, you know, with the, with the up and coming, a lot of that has to do with like what type of place we wanted to get within, you know, so aside (laughs) from it being an investment, right. And we just, you know, revealed that neither of us looked at this as a forever home situation. Um, when you, when you were going through it in the beginning, Shay, did you already have an idea of what you wanted your home to be? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I have always loved townhomes. Um, so I knew that whatever it was going to be, that was going to be it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now, how new or not the place was, was kind of, you know, it, right. it didn't really matter to me that much. But I knew that I wanted a certain look. Um, I wanted a certain number of rooms. Um, and I was also still thinking about it as an investment, you know, um, right. you know, am I going to be able to rent it out to one person versus like a family or, um, you know, will certain options bring in more renter potential, right. the resale, if I don't rent it out, but just sell it, like, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did kind of have an, an idea. And then I also looked at, uh, you know, market 
trends as well, right? right. So for me, I do have a townhome, you guys. Um, townhomes are very popular with millennials and are continuing to trend upwards over the years to come. And so I was just kind of like, okay, well, this seems like it would be, you know, a good investment, regardless of which way I go, you know, selling it, you know, in the next few years or whatever versus renting, whatever it is, you know, I was looking at it from that aspect. Um, and then I just happened to like the type of home. Um, I was able to, you know, get something that really hit all of my markers. And, you know, that was great, especially in the market um, this year, you know, 2020 was really, really competitive, you guys, because the interest rates were so, so low. Yep. Um, and people were just bidding like crazy on home. So we'll talk about that too. But um, to be able to do that and, you know, get a place that hits all my markers was really, uh, you know, it was just, I couldn't believe it. Like I was just so <laughs> overwhelmed. I was joyful about it. Um, what about you, Bray? What type of, you know, how did you pick the type of home that you wanted? What type of things um, were important to you? Yeah. So similar to you, I, um, I had already knew what I liked. Like I always wanted a condo. Mm -hmm. um, and out here they have co-ops, they have condos. So I always knew I wanted to be in a building, um, preferably like inner city, real young. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I, I can see myself in a home down the line. Um, so I always knew like in my younger years, I was going to be... Um, you know, in a, in a building in the city. And for your, for your reference, guys, I, um, once I graduated college, I stayed with my parents while I saved. So they live in a house on Long Island. Um, so very different lifestyle. But for me, the biggest decision was choosing, you know, was it going to be a co-op? Was it going to be a condo? Um, the differences between them. Um, and for me, it, it honestly came down to um, a monetary decision. Um, one requires, a, you know, typically a larger down payment than the other, but um, I always saw myself in a building and I, I knew that was going to be the case. Um, and then once I figured that out, you know, I was able to determine what areas I needed to be in to make sure that I could sell it or I could rent out. So I always knew, like, I, I worked in the city when we were still commuting to work. <laughs> so I knew it needed to be near transportation. Um, you know, I love New York. So, um, you know, I moved to Jersey. Uh, so for me, even looking in Jersey, I knew I needed to be able to get to New York like that. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love the far. city. And no, you know, I'm 15 minutes, if that, um, outside of the city. So, um just like, I mean, what's so exciting about this is we did go through, you know, hell. However, we yeah. really got what was perfect for us. Yeah. You know, like, um, just looking back at the, at the situation and, and what came out of this, um, we definitely got our hands on some good properties. I think so. For some sure. Properties. For sure. Sure. Um, so, you know, talking about homes and getting into the nitty gritty. <laughs> now, everyone knows that mm -hmm. the budget, the pricing, um, <laughs> all of that is a huge factor in, you know, being able to purchase a home. Mm -hmm. um, I think 
today more so than any other, you know, generation or whatever, home prices are just out of control. Budgets are just continuing to expand. So, you know, how did you kind of factor that in making your decision? Um, yeah, so there are so many things that went into my decision um, in terms of how much house I wanted um, and how much I was willing to pay. You know, the simple fact that we decided to do this in 2020 is like funny in itself yes. because of the way the housing market was going. But with the interest rates, it actually really worked out in our favor. Um, so the first thing that I did was I took a look at like at the base level, my debt to income ratio, you know, what, how much money was I making? Um, given my current debts, how much could I afford to attribute to a home? Right. Then unfortunately it goes a lot deeper because you have to then factor in all of the expenses that you don't currently have that are going to come up as you become a homeowner. And then, once I kind of got a rough estimate of, of that, I decided what I wanted my cushion to be, right? Because before this home, everything that I earned was basically going into savings. <laughs> um, the only payment I had was for my car, right? And that's what, like 200 bucks a month. So out of my entire check, that's all I was, you know, paying towards. The rest was, you know, obviously miscellaneous activities and or saving, um, so I had to figure out how much house I, I could afford, but then also how much I wanted to afford, what was going to be too much for me to not be able to save, to not be able to have like some extra money on the side to do things. Um, so all of that kind of went into my personal budget. And I did that before I started looking at what was out there or what, you know, what, type of places could I get for like my different criterias um and then from there once I had like a baseline for myself then I started to look <laughs> and let me just tell y'all whatever you think a home is gonna cost you double triple that yeah and then make that your price so you know I, it's important to set what you want to pay but then you also are gonna have to start looking you know do do some light searching to see for the area that you're looking at, for the number of bedrooms that you want, for this, the living standard that you want, what is the current market rate for that area? What are houses selling for? What are people putting their homes on for the market? You need to research those trends. Is this normal? Is this just because of what's happening in the world or is this consistent within this community? Um, and between that and the number that you set because of you know your personal debt income, that's where your actual purchase budget is going to fall. Um, yeah, which is, you know, the one thing that led me to skedaddle out of New York and move to Jersey. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and just going a little bit into, I mean, the prices mm -hmm. that you were talking about for New York versus New Jersey mm -hmm. was just crazy. crazy, you know, and even if, even if the, actual price tag on a home was relatively the same in New Jersey you were able to get much more bang for your butt you know much exactly. more space much more amenities and things like that yeah. and that kind of goes for anywhere ladies I mean mm -hmm. that's why choosing the area that you want to live in is just so important because 
depending on where you live, you know, <laughs> you can only afford, say that I moved to DC. Mm-hmm. I could probably only get a one or maybe two bedroom condo, right. but then, you know, moving just 15 minutes down the road, yeah, you get a townhome with three bedrooms or whatever, you know, it just really mm-hmm. depends on um, the area. The area is really important. Um, going more into that debt to income ratio to ladies, mm-hmm. you know, really understand not even just your debt to income. So your debt is, you know, what do you actually have hitting your credit every month mm-hmm. that has to come out of your account? What loans do you have that you have to pay every month? And then your income, obviously, you know, if you have a business, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you have a job, your W-2 income, whatever. But outside of just the debt to income, there are also expenses that you have every month that no, the bank won't be factoring into your right. budget, but that you will need to factor into your budget. So the banks will only look at, you know, what is hitting your credit. So that is your debt to income. But you know that outside of that, you spend an extra 400 on groceries, that you spend an extra, you know, whatever on clothes, on hair, on nails, on this, on that, you know, you know what you spend. So I feel like that should also be factored into um, what you want to pay, what your monthly budget is to pay for your housing expense. Yep. A good example, ladies, the debt to income ratio, like Shay was saying, it's the lenders and the banks are looking at that. So they're going to spitball a number based on your, your debt versus your income, right? Not factoring in monthly expenses. They're going to give you a pre-approval. That pre-approval is going to be a dollar amount. That dollar amount is going to represent how much house and how much money they're willing to front you to get that home right? They're going to use based on your credit history. They're going to basically based on your profile. And it's a very blank surface level look at your profile. So it's not really collecting as many documents as you're going to have to provide later on or as much information. Um, But with let's say 50K in savings, a bank with, with, if you have a good credit um, history and um, you always make your payments on time and you have very little debt, that lender can pre-approve you for half a million dollars mm-hmm. worth of a home, ladies. I don't know about you, <laughs> but me having 50 grand versus me looking at $500,000 homes, that don't make no kind of sense. Mm-hmm. But that's what happens. Your, your pre-approval is just a number. It's basically, you can look at it as your max, right? Like, what, you know, in the tightest of situations, like you just want something, that's what the bank is willing to give you. That's not the number that you're shooting for, nor is it a clear depiction of what you can actually afford. The bank does not give a rat's ass (laughs) about any expenses outside of your loan. Keep that in mind. As long as you can afford to pay that loan, they do not care about whatever else you have going on. So like Shay said, when you have, you know, your hair, your nails, you want to do this and you, all these other things, the bank is not lending you money, factoring those numbers in. They strictly want to know when you bring home your paycheck at the end of, you know, if you got to know how often you get paid, but however often you get paid, when that check comes in, can you clear the loan? Yes or no? 
and they're going to, they're going to approve you for that amount of money. So, you know, that's why we talk about like, before you even go through this, before you even think about buying a home, if you do not have a, um, financial plan or a budget, I want you to stop (laughs) the home research and get that in place because there's no way that you know your monthly expenses if you don't have a financial plan. There's just no way. And if you don't know your your monthly expenses, then there's definitely no way that, you know, you can really determine how much home you can afford. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's just- you know, exactly. it, it just that's the the reality of it, um, because what we don't want to do and, you know, where I'm specifically speaking to my black sisters. And if we have any brothers listening to this, you know, what we don't want to do is get caught up. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't want to get caught up in these homes that we cannot afford in homes that we will lose later on for the simple fact of owning a home. Right. We want to own homes. We want to do it the smart way. Um And because we don't have as many people in our community really handholding us through that, you know, I just want to make sure that that's clear to you guys, you know, not to let these banks confuse you because we see it happen with cars and other, you know, uh, (laughs) possessions. So let's just make that clear. You need to have a budget. You need to have a financial plan. Then you can think about a home. And even then you need to trust what you know. And that's you looking at your finances and determining how much you can actually afford versus having a bank tell you, yeah, you can afford that. Right. um, When they're only looking out for themselves. So make sure you're looking out for yourself. They're going to give you the highest quote Uh (laughs) that they can give you. Yep. It's up to you to decide, you know, what's within your means. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, going into that and and then just figuring out, um, I like that Bray mentioned just all the research around, um, you know, different areas and what the community, you know, what is normal on the market for that community. Mm-hmm. Again, that's something that you need to know. And I feel like, well, you would probably sit down with your realtor and figure that out too of as course. well. Yeah. But um you know, sometimes homes on the market, you know, are way overpriced. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some, you know, you, you lucky that it's underpriced. So, you know, you just <laughs> you just have to do that research. You to ask your realtor for the comps. Yes. If you're, if you're looking to know what's happening in the area, you don't have to necessarily find that yourself. Just tell your realtor you want the comps for that. If it's a building, for that building, for the neighborhood. And that basically will outline Um, every purchase sale that happened, um, what that home, what they pay in taxes, um, what was the asking versus what actually, what the, the, um, what they actually closed with. Um, So that's really helpful and they can get that um, for you really easily. So definitely ask for that if you're curious and not sure where to start in terms of like looking at the trends of a neighborhood or. Absolutely. Um. So, you know, just going deeper into it, you know, once you kind of figure out all of those things and banks, when you're, you know, sitting, when you're trying to get these quotes for your pre-approval, you know, one thing that I did learn, and this was a pain point of mine, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had sent in, you know, my applications to, you know, a couple of banks and, let's say that was at the beginning of a month, the next month I sent in my, my approval or my application to a different set of banks. Um, now 
if you do it within a certain time period, usually, you know, 14 days between all the different banks that you want to see the, the quotes for, um, it will only count against your credit once, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's all falling within the same window. So this is, you know, sending in loan applications is what I'm talking about. Whenever mm-hmm. you send in a loan application, make sure you send in the, those loan applications to each bank within the same 14 window time period so that you're not getting two or more hard inquiries on your credit report. That is something that I learned. Mm -hmm. So um, this year, instead of, you know, just one hard inquiry hitting my credit report, I have two. Um, And that's all because it fell outside of that normal timeframe. So that, you know, that's one thing. Um, When you're setting up your pre-approval process and you're, you know, trying to get all your accounts and information together for your applications make sure you're already planning for that months and months before so this was another pain point of mine um all of my major accounts uh are what I you know put on my applications for you know the loan for the for the mortgage loan um, I had, you know, my regular checking account, my savings account, you know, money market account, all of that stuff, because I have money flowing into all of those accounts. Yeah, it's, it's diversified. But the problem is when you do that and you have the banks looking at all of the accounts, now they're tracking your movements within all of those accounts. Mm-hmm. So let's say that, you know, I have a friend sending me a cash app for, you know, whatever. They're looking at that. If I, if I deposit that cash app and if I deposit that cash into my account, they're asking questions about it. If I'm sending money out of my account, they're asking questions about it. So it's like when you're going through the mortgage process, your money really can't move unless it's like with <clears throat> your job, unless you're it's easily identifiable where it's coming from, if it's easily sourced. So um, that was a really, really big pain point of mine because over the summertime, um, and I closed, you guys, for your reference, in September. So all throughout the summertime, maybe from, what what was June to -hmm. to September, I really could not do anything with my money, and I Mm -hmm. hated it. It's and it's something that most people don't know, right? Essentially, the banks are they're tracking you because they want to make sure that if you say you have enough money to close on this house, that it's one legitimate. So there's no fraud happening. For example, you know, I didn't give Shay, you know, 50K to put in her account, but she has to then give me that money back, right? Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to the banks just want to know that you can pay them. That's all. Um, They typically ask for 30 to 60 day statements. So if you are planning, no, you don't need to transfer everything two years ahead of time or even a year ahead of time. Um, At least six months, I would say. Yeah. To to create some type of consistency, if it's going to be an account, we're going to get direct deposits. Remember, direct deposits take time to initiate in itself. So, um, yeah, I think six months is a great buffer to have your account settled, everything um, and find a normal um, debit credit flow. Mm-hmm. Um, because they do look at that. And like Shay said, anything, anything that's in the thousands or more, they're going to ask you why. And you're going to have to submit a letter of explanation, explaining where you got that money from, um, confirming that it's not money that it's expected to go back to someone, um, which goes into the gift. Now, 
gifts, <clears throat> unfortunately, in the Black community is not as prevalent or popular. Um, however, when the bank is letting you know you need to have X amount of money to, to support your closing and, and things like that, you can receive gifts. Um, doesn't matter how much, but essentially it's money that you are going to put towards being able to close on your home. Um, if you are married, you know, we're not married, but if you are married and you get gifts from your wedding and you plan to use that money, um, make sure that you're appropriately tracking it. But gifts is another tricky one because what I didn't know um, about gifts was if someone did, does give you a gift <clears throat> and I did get a gift, <laughs> same with me, you have to disclose that money. This person has to sign something stating that they do not expect you to pay them back. And then on top of that, the bank requires statements. They require the gifty statement, the person exactly. who's giving you the gift. They must show the money in there. So they must also provide a 30-day statement, essentially, at, at a minimum. The banks can ask. So, and everything I'm going to say, I'm always going to say like a 30-day statement, but guys, please keep in mind, like when we're not um, brokers, licensed brokers or licensed real estate agents, two, a bank can ask you for anything. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it doesn't stop with anything that we're mentioning. They could ask you for every transaction from the last four or five months that's um, at their discretion. But yeah, you'll, the pay, the giftee will have to give you a at least 30 day statement. And it can go further if the bank can't prove that they didn't just get that deposit. So it's a very tricky but it, it also makes sense in the sense of like just re always remember the bank wants to know where you got the money from that's that once you send your pre-approvals pre like Shay said and you're trying to move your money you're screwed <laughs> so pick a main account and stick with it and do not move money at all until your broker advises you to because even in the sense of like having like money market account and checking account, savings account, all those accounts will be pulled together and will be considered accessible funds for like your closing. However, um, you know, I was in a situation where I started moving money too quickly and it was like at the ninth hour, I had to sit and explain um, and do a letter literally a few days before closing about why the money was moved. And it was me trying to be preemptive, like, okay, I'm preparing, but it, it bit me in the ass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it, it just created another thing that I had to do. So get your money set before you start looking and then make sure that, you know, um, you don't have to access that account for, for any reason and don't access it until you speak with like your broker, um, your real estate agent, your team will really let you know, okay, now's the time, you know, you're going to have to do the wire or um, if it's a check or however your, your closing process will go. Yep. And so just, you know, I mean, you'll need to show them, I mean, for the pre-approval and even mm -hmm. for throughout the process, you'll need to show them, you know, your bank statements, your, your income statements. Oh your yeah, they get deep. <laughs> yeah. Any, any bonus checks, bonus check, any assets that you have, um, you need to, you know, your retirement accounts, your brokerage accounts, mm -hmm. anything like that, um, you'll need to 
show your debt statements. So if you have credit cards, you need to show your credit card statements. If you have, um, you know, student loans, what is that monthly payment? You need to have that statement. You know, any debt that you have, you have to show proof of um, because they need to be able to calculate, you know, (laughs) what your income is, what your debt is. You might even have to show them, um, let's say you, you are a renter, you might have to show them your rent payments and, you know, what is the consistency of that? Um, if you've ever had any type of major um, credit issue, you know, so if there's something on your credit, you have to show them documentation on that. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of documents that you might have to get together for a mortgage. So just be aware. They're going to be all in your business. All, <laughs> girl. And it's, and it's lender specific, right? You, yes. you're, you're asking them to help you, right? So they are able to request anything. And it also varies. So some lenders don't need certain things. Some will request it. Um, I know during my process, I needed to provide a employment verification um, statement saying that like what my salary was and, you know, they, it's very likely that I'll remain employed throughout, you know, the next year and things like that. So um, it really, it really just depends. And I've heard some crazy things um, being requested. My, um, my dad does a lot of brokering deals and I always hear him on the phone requesting paperwork and I always hear people upset, like, I don't want to give that or I don't have that. Um, you know, if you're on workers comp, that's a whole nother amount of paperwork that you have to be able to provide. Um, if you just recently lost your job, but you're, which is like, wow, <laughs> still looking to buy a home. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of things that they can ask for. Just be prepared to have them in your business. <laughs> All in it. Mm-hmm all in your business so <laughs> monitor those transactions and everything that you got going on because they gonna be in it <laughs> they gonna be um so you know aside from just the setup right um now we, we start talking about you know lenders and like I said every lender can request different things but you know figuring out what type of loan you're going to acquire um, is a big deal. If you're going to use any programs, um, you know, there is the deposit, the the appraisal, the inspection, the closing costs, um, all of those things sometimes have, um, sometimes there are programs that help lessen those costs, eliminate those costs. Um, So, you know, Shay, how did you go about deciding what type of loan you wanted to do if you want to do a program or yes so when I say that your network is literally like your net worth your (laughs) net worth literally that's it like it's the greatest (laughs) asset that you have um so I had a friend who went through NACA and NACA is called the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America and basically the overall gist of it, it's a nonprofit community advocacy and home ownership organization. Um, they help, you know, marginalized people overcome subprime and predatory loans. So, you know, when the 2008 housing crash happened, a lot of the reason why that happened is because people were getting these 
huge mortgage loans that they couldn't afford. Um, but the way that the loans were written, you know, they would start off with all of these incentives in the beginning. <laughs> and then as the years go on, those incentives go away, costs go up, and people can no longer afford those loans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, NACA was created to stop the banks from targeting people, um, pretty much minority people, you know, Blacks, Hispanics, whatever, from getting these type of subprime and predatory loans. Um, and NACA has a lot of great incentives that exist over the lifetime of the loan. So, you know, my friend told me about it and I started to look into it. Um, you know, I was like, okay, well, this sounds too good to be true. You know, it's no down payment, no closing costs, no extra fees. You don't even have to have like the perfect credit. And you also get really good um, mortgage interest rates. And I'm like, hold on. Like, sounds know, like a dream is, to me. Right. Like, this sounds <laughs> like a dream. Um, and, you know, I looked more and more into it. You know, she told me about it. Her, her husband did it. So there is, you know, I thought, hey, maybe it's like a, you know, income constraint on there. You know, people who are earning too much money maybe won't be able to qualify or whatever. But that's not the case. You know, it's open to all. Um, and, you know, I really started to learn about it and things like that. And so I chose to go that route because I felt, hey, this is my first time doing this. I have capital, but I want to be able to save and have a cushion of my capital once I finish going through the process. You know, I'm going to have to pay down something. You know, I'm going to have to. There are a lot of expenses that come with the house, with the home. So, you know, let me look into this community advocacy group. And I did that. Um, you know, I had to do workshops before I went through the actual process. So they they give you like a home buyer's workshop where you really learn about the entire process of NACA and not only NACA, but also of the mortgage process, which I think a lot of people need to know, you know, yeah. people need to understand all that goes in first <laughs> wanting to own a home and then the, the loan process. And then even after loan, you know, different things that you need to know for the, for the house. Yeah. Um, so I did that. Um, they offer realtors in their programs, but I had my own outside realtor because I wanted you know, a person to really devote much of their time to me. You know, I didn't want them to have to be devoting too much time to other people. Um, and, you know, I also had a counselor. So that was really good because my counselor worked one-on-one -on -one with me on my mortgage process. And NACA works as a broker. So um, a broker is, you know, the in-between the in organization between you and a bank. So they work on behalf of you with the bank you're I was never in direct contact with my um with my bank um but you know I feel like it it was a seamless process I went through the process within maybe four months because it was over the entire summer mm -hmm. and I really came out of it with a lovely loan it was it was it was unheard of for you know this area that I'm in and so that was really really helpful for me and I think Understanding these things or knowing about these type of things are what we need as, you know, women and as minorities. We need to know about programs that are out there for us that are available to all of us, you know. Mm -hmm.
Um, because, you know, a lot of people say, hey, you know, I've always wanted to, you know, own a home or whatever, but I don't think I ever could. And I feel like you can if you know about different programs, if you know mm-hmm. how to find the right resources. Right. Um, and, you know, with NACA, you can also use that in conjunction with grants and down payment assistance and things like that. So it's not just like, oh, you can only new- use NACA. No, there are people who have gotten money from other places, use that along with NACA, and then still were able to, you know, save more of their own personal money. So it's a lot of resources out here that I think, you know, we should we should definitely, <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely um, make use of. For sure. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why not rushing the process is really important because mm-hmm. there are a lot of programs. And I think when you put yourself on a time crunch, you kind of overlook them, but you miss out on all of the saving that, that you could be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, these programs like are targeted towards people like us, right? So why not take advantage of it? Um, yeah. And it's funny because ever since you told me about NACA, you know, when my cousins were looking into getting in places, Mm -hmm. I personally, um, I had actually looked into NACA, but they didn't have any offerings like in the areas I was looking at. Mm -hmm. However, they did have a lot, um, you know, further out on like Long Island. I Mm -hmm. let my cousins know about it. Um, you know, I have other family in Maryland, so I let them know about it and they actually had started the process in the summer. So, you know, program what I what I love about you know these like community home ownership programs in general is that it provides us with an opportunity to acquire things that I feel like maybe seem like we weren't going to be able to get it before yes um so especially when you think about buying a home like all you got to do is say that that's what you actually want right because there are some people who don't have any interest in this and you know that's fine but for those of you who aren't interested like take a minute to not really worry so much about the money because you will get there. Um, and if you don't get there by yourself, you can find a program, um, or, um, community group that's going to help you get there. So don't close, don't close yourself off because maybe you don't have the money. Um, and even if you do have the money, like Shay said, you know, these programs are not just for people who, um, maybe have like lower credit scores and need the help you could have perfect credit and you know need no assistance with down payment and you should still be looking at these yep um assistance programs because they you know these not-for-profits and a lot of these grant programs they're given money and that money is meant to help us build (laughs) but if there's nobody coming in and submitting applications that money is going to waste you know so definitely a worthwhile experience. Yes. And the thing that I like most about NACA is that mm-hmm. you get a place that is within your budget. Right. So they only approve you for homes that you're able to pay for, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, which is why they have a very low. They look out for you. Yeah, they look out for you, which mm-hmm. is why they have a very low um, foreclosure rate as well, because, you know, they're not giving you these huge pre-approvals with these high limit um quotes and you can't really afford that you know yeah. so yeah 
Yeah, definitely have to be practical. That's what I'm saying. If you if you keep in mind that the lenders are looking out for themselves, I think it'll help you make a lot of wise decisions yeah. about how what house you choose and how much home you decide and um, you know, what you're willing to take on in terms of, you know, what's gonna cost you to down, you know, do a down payment and all that. And for those of you guys who <clears throat> to kind of backtrack, right? Because we're talking about like closing cost assistance and down payments something that I learned that really like opened my eyes is how much money you actually need. You know, we talked about how much money you want to have so that you can pay your mortgage, right? That's what they're looking at with your debt to income, et cetera. But there's closing costs that you have to pay. And there's a down payment. The down payment is what you put in to solidify your offer to enter into contract. Your closing cost is a whole nother slew of fees that include your broker fee, your title fee, your appraisal fee, your inspection costs, your taxes. They put your taxes in escrow. So you're paying, you know, sometimes two to three to six months of taxes, depending on, you know, your loan type and where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a community, community living, they homeowners. have homeowners association yeah. fees. That's an extra fee. And they typically like to collect that up front. Depending on where you live, certain home insurance has to be purchased prior to you even being able to close. That's going to be factored in. Your closing costs add up. <laughs> add up. There are different things that, you know, just when I looked at my closing disclosure <laughs> and there was like, there honestly, let me be completely candid. There was like 2000 extra that I wasn't even expecting. Mm-hmm. And that number fluctuates up until they finally do a rate lock yeah. and lock your closing in. So that is the part that people don't talk about. And a lot of us don't save for like, mm-hmm. I don't closing costs was never a thought in my mind. So I knew like, okay, I'm gonna have enough for down payment. You want to account, I would say anywhere from like two to 6%. You can probably consider exactly of the home price will be closing costs. So you want to add that plus whatever percentage of down payment. Typically you can get as low as 3.5. Some places I know out here for like a co-op when I remember how earlier I was like, there's co-ops condos. One makes you pay more co-ops on a base level require 20% down payment. Whereas Mm -hmm. condos are treated like a home. So you could pay as low as 3.5. The standard is like 10%. So Think about the fact that you may need, let's let's use 5%, right? That's not too low, not too high. 5% down payment plus another 5% closing cost. You're looking at 10% of the purchase price is what you want to have or what you want to consider, you know, liquid and, 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 you know, usable for your deposit and your closing On cost. a $200,000 home, girl, 20K right there. 20K, 20K. Right so, there. And that's not to scare y'all, you know, but it's money and it's real. It and is. Those closing costs, um, they're real <laughs> and they add up and they change. That for me, like my closing costs, guys, changed a lot. They kept changing. Every time they had to fix something, it was like it would go up, it would go down. They reconfirmed my building's HOA, the number went up, you know, then my <laughs> lender you know, was familiar with my brokers. They removed some, you know, of those fees. Like the numbers were fluctuating up until the day that I sent that last 
check in. Um, but, you know, I personally would say like, if you don't have at least 10%, um, you should definitely look in like, with not an option for you, you should definitely look into closing costs and down payment assistance programs. Um, because in addition to that 10%, like Shay was saying earlier, then you want to have your cushion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of percentages and dollars being thrown out, but all in all, <laughs> if you have a budget, you know, it's not too crazy to think of. Um, yes. But yeah. it's always more expensive than you than expect you- it to be. Mm-hmm. Just just know that always. Like, that's how I felt when I finished. I was like, oh, crap. Like, a whole bunch of money mm-hmm. that came out of this thing. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a lot of money. Um, but yes, you know, get as much assistance as you can. And what, you know, a pain point for me, too, was that I started looking at other assistance much later in the later. process. And yeah. I wish I had done it really before I even started, you know, before me I even sent too. in, like, my pre-approval applications like I wish I knew about like all the grants because there were a couple that I missed out on that I feel like I could have gotten had I had enough time um to really facilitate that with my broker so yeah um uh you know a tip would be to go on hud.gov um and look into the different grants offered by your state but then another thing too would be to literally just type in google like down payment assistance and first time home buyer first time home buyer assistance um i i would type in all type of things like um you know in the county that i live in down payment assistance you know things like that um and a lot of things would pop up i mean there are even certain banks they have their own down payment assistance so yeah. you know if you get a loan with you know say bank of america they have their own like down payment assistance programs that you can look up so literally type in google bank of america down payment assistance yeah. you know look into other banks type in down payment assistance after that. And there's so many programs. And I feel like that was, those were things that I didn't know about beforehand. But once I started, I got in nitty gritty. I was looking up everything. Yeah. So um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was, if I have one, um, like I wish I would have did that, that's definitely it. Cause it's the same thing. I started looking way too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had already had it set in my mind that I was going to do this regardless. Um, And I made sure that I made decisions that whether I had the assistance or not, it didn't set me back any different. Um, But obviously like if you can get assistance, you know, take it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I definitely think looking into that before you even start is probably the best move. Because some of them do have a long, I found a lot of those where it was like the application process can take three months. And I was like, well, I don't have three months. I was trying to get this going in the next three weeks. (laughs) Um, So yeah, if if you have the ability to plan ahead, um, you know, start looking now for these assistance programs. And because they also have different requirements that you have to meet as well as paperwork that you have to provide. Um, so, so you know, just keep that in mind, like with the timeline. Um, and since this is relevant, you know, we're 2021 now, but um, with COVID, 
you know, we both experienced a lot of delays. That's been the biggest thing. I know other people who have closed this year and we've all been singing the same tune. Like, yeah, my closing date was pushed. Everything's pushed. The bank is being slow. Um, They're being inundated with applications, one, because of the low interest rates. Um, But two, everything is just slower. So you should definitely keep that in mind um, in terms of like your timeline and and what you're trying to do. So if research needs to happen now, start doing that research now. (laughs) Don't wait. Now. Now. Oh, and guys, let's just harp on interest rates for like two seconds. (laughs) Because interest rates this year have been incredibly low and they make so much more of a difference like it's so I just can't even talk about how important it is I mean literally just a single point drop in an interest rate can save you hundreds of dollars per month you know so Mm -hmm. getting these homes while interest rates are low like have at it if you can find it at great pricing um because with lower interest rates prices always go up but regardless interest rates are very important try to go for the lowest interest rate that you can okay so when if you put in a a loan application and they you know send you back something you know they send you back a quota or they send you back you know what your target interest rate right might be i feel like definitely be you know putting in different applications to different banks to see what rate you can get and what type of financing you can get. Yeah. And you, um, online, you can, you can have like a a estimate ahead of time. So you understand what makes sense for you and, and your lifestyle. Um, because your, your interest rate, um, it does vary depending on your lifestyle. So not everybody is going to be gifted the same rates. Um, and if you do not have good credit, you definitely, you know, look out for those programs because they will kill you. They will try to kill you with that interest rate. Um, so just be mindful. Yep. And if you, if you test it out in online um, and we can add some links in the episode notes for you ladies, but um, so you can at least get a baseline of what interest rate on average, you know, you would be awarded so that when you start submitting your applications, you have a better idea of who's trying to play you. <laughs> okay. And who's actually giving you a fair, um, interest rate. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I can, yeah, we can put some links in for the interest rates and the calculations and all that stuff. Even using something as simple as Zillow is, you know, you can put mm-hmm. in like different interest rates, the different price. I'll show you how and, much house yeah, you can sure. afford. Right, exactly. So yeah, I mean, there's there's just a lot that you you have to prepare for. And then, you know, even just with all the paperwork and the back and forth, um, you know, also going to, you know, look at the homes and scheduling that time. And then when you close and getting into the home and scheduling, you know, all that comes with that furniture, you know, security, um, just, just everything. (laughs) It's a, it's definitely, it's a very involved process. You know, just like we said at the beginning of this, it's, it's definitely not anything. It's not a passive experience. It's very hands-on. And, 
you know, in our next episode, we are going to reflect with you guys, you know, and get a little more um, in detail about, you know, what we went through. But let me tell you, Shay and I, we had something to talk about every single day, <laughs> you know, with the home process. It's it's very involved, um, no matter how big or small, you know, your team is, because you're going to have your broker, your realtor, then there's the lender. Um if you have gifties, then it's just yourself. Like there's a lot of moving parts, um, you know, so you have to be focused and in it because it's going to require a lot from you, a lot of your time, a lot of patience, a lot of being told you need more information. You need to clarify more. You need to do more. And then forget all that. Let's go all the way back to the beginning where you're gonna have to find a place you love yes <laughs> let's start there like that in itself is an experience yeah home shopping and home buying is an experience forget all the financials um just picking a place that you love and after seeing so many places like seeing the worst of the worst and the worst of the best and the best of the best it's a lot then maybe not being able to afford the best of the best like honey <laughs> going to see home <laughs> going to see homes very humbling let's talk about it it is it really is like in the beginning like we said listen I had my budget that I had the number that I wanted to pay I started looking at, at places and I was like oh so for that amount of money like I have to have rats and roaches like you know it's like you start to think about <laughs> what your money can get you yeah versus what's out there and let me tell you whatever you think your budget is it's always going to be more mm-hmm. for sure for sure but you find a happy medium right you you figure out that that blend between what you can afford and what is it that you want out of your place like what Um, you're comfortable with foregoing as well Mm -hmm. and we can we can even dig deeper into that in um our next episode about you know how what were some of the necessities for us what do we give up um when choosing like the perfect place versus uh what we had to settle with so yeah That is our home ownership experience, ladies. Yeah, so we hope you guys enjoyed. Um, we learned a lot from this process, so we're really excited that we get to share our experiences with you ladies. Um, the next episode, we are going to um, detail more about our personal processes, you know, reflect on the roller coaster ride itself and then kind of go over some of the aftermath so like what does you know our our financial future look like um what are some things that you guys should keep in mind and know post closing so once the house is yours the the journey literally does not stop there um so we're going to talk about what it's been like for us over these last you know four to five months and you know what we plan for for the future so if you like this episode please you know, rate it, um, leave your comments. If you utilize any of the links, please let us know. Um, if you're starting your process or you're in the weeds of your process, um, share your story with us because, you know, we're happy to help. Um, no, we are not brokers or real estate agents, but um, we 
have experienced this process firsthand. Uh, but yeah, thank you ladies for joining us today. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>